Okay, good morning. Thank you all for coming. It's a pleasure to be here uh, and to stand before you. Um, I am, um, I attend this church. I can't say I'm an official member yet because I haven't done the work you need to do, but I'm working on it. So, but uh, I'm thrilled to be part of um, Christ Fellowship Church and we're thrilled to have you all here today. So um, I've been asked several times about these, okay? So everyone at their place said it should have a red strip and a green strip of paper, okay? So we're going to, I'm going to begin this morning with a short survey um, and um, everyone will participate by responding with a red or green voting strip. All right, these are not hanging chads. They are just red and green pieces of paper. So red, the red strip is no. So if your, your answer to the survey is no, use your red strip. If your answer to the survey is yes, use your green strip, okay? So do we have that? Green is go, and red is no. Okay, all right. So, let's have a trial run. Today's date is December 25th. No. All right, Molly, I might need you to help me out here and just make sure we're getting everybody's, yeah, okay. Okay, so today's date is December 3rd. Good. Okay, so let's, let's do the survey. Um, the first question is, the place I most love to be on Christmas is at work. <laughs> no? Oh, huh. Hmm. Um, the, the place I love to be at Christmas is at home. Okay, well, I'd say home is a yes, work is a no. That shocks me. Um, <laughs> The people I most like to be with on Christmas are my coworkers. Let's see. Okay. Uh, the, if you held up green, I'm worried about you. Um, the people I most want to be with on Christmas is my family. Okay. Good. Did you see that was, did you, do you agree that's unanimous? Yes and no? Okay. Most people answered question one. In fact, all people answered question one um, that they, they'd rather be at home. What, why, why do you think that is? I think that's because that's the place that means the most to, to us, the place that we all love best. Most people answered, all people answered actually question two, that they'd rather spend Christmas with their family rather than their coworkers because the people, their family are the people that mean the most to them and that they love the best. Um, does this mean that um, our home and our family are perfect? That's, that is my answer. If you knew my family, you'd agree. Um, so, does anyone have a perfect family? No, okay. So, how will we feel 
when we wake up on Monday, December 26th? Will we still be glad that we're waking up at home and with our family? What makes home seem like the only place, the survey's over. <laughs> put, put down those strips of paper. What makes home seem like the only place we want to be for Christmas? Yet on December 26 and every other day of the year, home seems to lose its sparkle and our longing for being there with our family is dimmed. You know, there are songs that we sing around Christmas that declare our longing for home. And you, you're, you're welcome to laugh because I'm going to sing for you now. <laughs> I'll be home for Christmas. Or the other one that I love is, Oh, there's no place like home for the holiday. But no one seems to sing songs that celebrate, I'll be home for Groundhog's Day. <laughs> if, if that's out there somewhere, I've missed it. And, and then the other is, oh, there's no place like home on Tuesday night. I don't get it, but no one's written those songs. So what happens to dampen our longing for home and family the other 365 days a year? What is it about Christmas that causes us to have our focus be on family and home? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, especially since I knew I had to do this talk. Um, the world rivals our affections for home and family. We find ourselves struggling with loss, brokenness, depression, discouragement, and a host of other negative challenges. We struggle with the changes that we see going on in the culture around us, in our own families, in society, and even in our churches. What is it that is inherent in the Christmas season, in the Christmas story in particular, that draws us away from the confusion and warring priorities of daily life? What causes us to look inward, seeking the peace, the joy, and solace that we often equate with home and family. I think we need to go back to the first Christmas and see if we can discover the lost or perhaps just hidden or forgotten reason that Christmas makes home a treasured place to be. Okay, just this is, you know, this is just sort of a warning that um, I, I'm going to walk you through the Christmas narrative and I'm going to be um, just talking about some of the highlights of the first Christmas and this is the Paolini revised non-standardized version, okay? So 
two millennia ago, King Herod ruled Judea for Caesar Augustus and the Roman Empire. Herod had enforced an uneasy peace on his subjects for 35 years. However, the ancient words of Jeremiah the prophet troubled him. This is the prophetic word from Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And that's from Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Of course, this ancient prophecy made Herod nervous, a little more than paranoid, and a lot less benevolent towards his subjects. The Jews were treated cruelly and forced to pay exorbitant taxes to feed Herod's appetite for power and wealth. The Jewish citizens were poor and crying out for a new king, one that would fight for them and save them from Herod's rule. So this is where, this is the setting where our story begins of the first Christmas. First, we're going to meet Mary and Gabriel. Gabriel's an angel, by the way. And I'm going to meet, be uh, taking this from Luke 1, first chapter of Luke. Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, what are you, crazy? Where's my red strut? No, she didn't really say that. Um, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? All right, remember she's engaged to Joseph has not been, ever been with a man, she's a virgin. And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In response to that, Mary answers in Luke 1:38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary was pretty cooperative. She bought into this and trusted Gabriel. But we need to remember that Mary was a virgin and engaged to Joseph. So how does she explain her pregnancy to Joe and her parents? 
This is explained for us in Matthew 1. We need a bigger podium. I just want to let you know. <laughs> now the birth, um, uh, pardon me, when Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her betrothed, or her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You know, in those days, when a virgin or when um, a single woman was found to be pregnant and not um, officially married, um, they were put away or stoned to death. And Joseph, being a reasonable man, decided that he would have her just put away, which meant she would go off and have her baby and probably would never again be able to marry. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now we have Joseph on board. He knows that Mary is pregnant. He knows that her pregnancy is by the Holy Spirit and not by the, another man. She hasn't been fooling around with the shepherds or anything. So now that we have Joseph aware, um, we get a little glitch here in the story because Caesar Augustus has decided to require a, sen uh, um, a census of the whole known world. This is explained in Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He, be, he went to become registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Mary and Joseph left home, which was Nazareth, and walked the 60 or 70 miles to Bethlehem. And it was here, away from home and family, that Jesus was born. He was born in a stable, most likely a cave, where animals were kept. His bed was a feeding trough or a manger. He was not born in a hospital. He wasn't born in a hotel. And there were no midwives in sight. So now enter the shepherds and more angels. After all, it's Christmas, so we've got to have more angels. So 
This part of the story is taken from Luke 2. And in the same region, the same region meaning the region of Bethlehem where Christ has been born, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a onesie, oh, part, swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made, to, made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all the shepherds told them, pardon me, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the shepherds left their fields and their flocks, essentially their homes and their livelihood, to visit the Christ child. Okay, so we have one more group of people that we need to recognize in this story, and this would be the wise men from the East. And um, along with the wise men, we have a very special star that gets introduced in this narrative. And that story is found in Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him remembered the prophecy. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, by no means least among the rulers of Ju Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and, they <clears throat> and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the Christ child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
and being warmed in a, warned, not warmed, warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. We don't know exactly from whence the wise men came, but their trip likely took several months using the star as their GPS and some Uber camels that they rented for the journey. Um, so they left their homes to worship the child of the prophecy. The other person in the story who left his home in order to show up in Bethlehem was Jesus. Remember what the angel said to Joseph in Matthew. That which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God sent his son Jesus to earth as a baby. Not as a, not as a conquering hero, not as a warrior, not as a diplomat, you know, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Herod as a baby. God had Jesus leave the perfection of heaven and his rightful throne come to earth in the full likeness of man. Why? It wasn't to pick up a quart of milk and take it back to heaven. It was to save us from our sins. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, some translations say slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus died on a cross for us, so we wouldn't have to. But the really cool thing is, three days after his death, he rose from the dead. When they went to find, find him in his grave, the grave was empty. Jesus rose from the dead, overcoming sin and death on our behalf. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. After his resurrection, Jesus hung around on earth for another 40 days. And during that time, he was teaching his disciples and giving them instructions um, for the ministry that was before them. Then... 
After his 40 days were over, Jesus ascended into heaven. And this was a witness dissension. All the disciples were there. And they literally watched Jesus be taken up into heaven. Where was he going? He went home. He went home and took his seat at the right hand of God. In the Gospel of John, I didn't mark this one. What was I thinking? John 14. Jesus said to his disciples, he said this before he left earth, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus is doing that for us right now. On this earth, we are sojourners and aliens longing for our time, pardon me, longing for our true home. The brokenness of this world has corrupted God's perfect plan for our lives. Christmas is our reminder that God so loves us that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life with him in our true home. Most likely, Monday, December 26 will come and our wonder, wonder and anticipation of Christmas will be fading already in our memory banks. But I hope you won't forget the past, that you won't forget that Jesus died to save us from our sins and to make room for us in the household of God and that you will look forward to the future because at just the right time, God will open the gates to our real home and give us the home our hearts have been longing for. And when that happens, we will pass through those gates and say, this is my home. This is where. I belong. But until then, we can be sure that Jesus will keep a light on. Allow me to pray for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for Christmas. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who came to save us from our sins. So, Lord, we just rejoice that there is a home for us with you. 
And Jesus is there now preparing a place for us. We're so grateful. And we so look forward to that day. And Lord, I just pray that our joy would be great because of this promise and this future hope. Lord, we rejoice and we thank you. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.